look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. Can we please get some coordination on our clothing here, sir? For those of you who are going to see this online on our social media platforms, last week... I call, I, 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 I call your handler ahead of time. I, know. No, no. I, I wear the nice suit. <laughs> you wear a sweater. So I'm thinking, okay, Popwich is going to wear a sweater <laughs> when, we re, when we do this show, and now you're wearing a suit. Like, Can we please coordinate this? Because at least for the people who are going to see this... On our social media platforms, they're going to go. One of what us. What are they doing? You know, the, the, one of the one of the people don't belong with the other. Like, yeah. this is what's well, it was happen. me last week. It's you this week. <sighs> you got to get over it. Every once in a while, get guys your gotta... people to call my people so we can actually coordinate <laughs> this stuff. Okay. Um, speaking of people calling people, there was a lot of people calling people and uh, a lot of uh, wigging out people this week as volatility's returned to the market, which we've talked about in the past, but we certainly had a good dose of it this week. Oh, yeah. Getting close to the election now, right? We're, we're we creeping f- up on We saw almost a 4% drop on one day. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, it's, it's, it's enough that it gets people's attention. Absolutely. Right? And um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about tech earnings, too. Right? Okay. Because uh, I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, any other topics that had come up? Well, well, Market topics over the course of the week for you? Well, the whole thing about this week in regards to, it's been... Earnings season. Yeah, and the question was, will earnings distract the market from some of the obvious uncertainties around pandemic, um, stimulus, and election? Correct. And it just, it seems like we've got this, we called it the boogeyman came out for Halloween when we did our our, uh, message to our clients. Uh, The boogeyman's out scaring people and the markets got scared. So, you know, we want to talk about two parts of the markets. One is we're going to talk about the stock market right now and some of the earnings and so forth, tech companies. But on our show today, we also have about the bond market. People right. are saying you can't make money in bonds now. Right. Interest rates are too low. Forget that asset class. Go somewhere else. Try to make more money. Uh, we're going to educate you, inform you, and give you more information about why the bond yeah. market is still a place to look at for your portfolio. Well, and listen, particularly, one, if you want a diversified portfolio, particularly for those people moving into or living in retirement and need income, it is an absolute essential and and guess what? It's just not a layup anymore. Yeah, it's not right? easy interest. No, it's not easy interest. You can't just buy a GIC paying you 6% anymore. It's a global market, and we've got to educate people more and more about what that market means. So we're going to do that um, uh, in we're the show. For yeah. sure. And so let's, let's kind of go into um, what was interesting on Friday, hmm. which was Thursday night. Earnings release came out from major tech companies. Twitter, Facebook, Apple. But did you see the headlines when they were coming on? Did you read the headlines? Yeah, yeah. It was like shocking. Like, oh, it, the world's going to end. No, 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 no. Which I, ones are you looking at now? So I'm, when, when all of the head, like the, the Twitter headline as an example came out, crushed expectations, right? Revenue. Oh, okay. Apple, crushed expectations. So you're talking profit. about Friday morning. No, I'm talking about the first, like just as the news broke on Thursday night, I was seeing headlines. It was, wow, earnings and revenue on all of these companies. Yeah, yeah. Way above expectation. Got gotcha. But that didn't tell the story. No. Or did it? We'll have to, well, let's debate that. Well, right? see, so this is interesting though, Dave, because what we've been telling um, our listeners, our clients, uh, and we've been saying it over and over again, that you really need to understand the value of what you own. Yeah. And if you don't understand what the value, of the, if you don't understand the value of what you own, then you are speculating on things and you are subject to volatility that will potentially 
Well, it drives emotion. Scare the bejeebies out yeah, of you. That's right. Welcome to Halloween, my the friend. Boogeyman, that's right. Right? Yeah. So when you don't understand. So let's take a look at a couple of these tech companies. That's, sure. And I'll pick on Facebook because sure. I did a lot of reading on this and I looked at a lot of the numbers and so forth. And there's been a down, uh, a decrease the amount of users, active daily users, on Facebook in North America. Canada, USA is what they kind of highlighted. They had that protest, right? Well, boycott. Yeah. Boycott. Boycott meaning don't advertise on it. Didn't say don't use it. Yeah. The economy opened up. People are using social media less when the economy was opening up. And Facebook in the morning on Friday, I'm mm-hmm. trying to think, got hit hard, like 4%. Oh, they were, yeah, it was, I remember doing the morning report at around 8.30, 8.40, and it was down 6% at yeah. that point. And so yeah. when a company is priced for perfection, you have no wiggle room for anything that's abnormal. Okay. So these companies have been bid up so much during the pandemic. And I'm not saying they're bad companies, but the slightest disappointment and you and you see people just head for the hills. Granted, we're heading into the weekend of the election mm. and the pandemic rising numbers in the United States, so on and so forth. So there are other pieces of noise coming at this. Yeah. But if you just look at these tech companies, and they're the most popular ones because they get the most attention, mm-hmm. they've been priced for perfection and they have a slight blemish and boom. Yeah, do you know, and the slight blemish, it, it was amazing. So here, here's what, I did a lightning round, as you know, on, on the reports in the morning, right? And here's the headline. The headline is every single one of them in the in the past quarter crushed profit and earnings expectation. Yeah. Now let's get because the devil's in the details. Yeah. You looked at Twitter, right? So the expectation on user growth wasn't met. It was down sixty nineteen percent, I think, in the first hour of trading. Same. We just talked about Facebook. You look at Google. Ad revenue came roaring back up fifteen percent. Crushed expectations, but no hair on that deal. So that stock was trading in the early trade up six and a half, maybe four and a half percent in the first hour of trading, right? Yeah. In an other, otherwise ugly start to that trading day. Um, you look at Apple. Apple beat their earnings expectation. Mac sales were crushing it. Their uh, their AirPod sales were crushing it, and there was a delay. They delayed the five G phone release, right? But pre sales on that were huge, but they got hit hard. Because their iPhone 11 sales year over year were not as strong. And Chinese sales were and down. And Chinese sales were down 20%. <laughs> right. You know what this smells like? Remember when energy stocks were doing so well? You're, you're $130 a barrel. Every company's making money. And the minute that there was a slight blemish, mm-hmm. those stocks got hammered. It's funny how we as investors will only buy things when things are going up. We'll only look at a, a company as a good company when their share price is appreciating. Right. But we'll, we'll give negative reviews when the share price is declining. And the reason for that is that most people, individuals who are investing in the market, do not understand the value of a company. They yep. understand what the company may do, but what's the true value? What's the true intrinsic value? And what's the actual market value that it should be assessed on? And then they trade within that range. Correct. And that's the problem. And so this is why most investors, during a 4% drop, we get phone calls from listeners of the show saying, should I sell my portfolio now? The market's down 4%. Right. 
why didn't you sell it yesterday when it wasn't down 4%? Oh, it was going up. It was good. Right. So when it's going down, it's bad. Sell. When it's going up, buy more. Right. When do we buy more of more expensive things? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, if you think the value of that expensive thing is going up, you buy more. But this is the problem, right? Um, so, and we've talked about volatility in the last three or four shows, but it's it's here and it's timely and I still think it's relevant. And you've just raised it. So I want to continue with that because... And, if you own volatility. Here's here's my thing mm-hmm. to anybody that's listening. If you go into the stock market, you buy volatility. When you invest in a stock, you are actually buying volatility. Correct. Right? So um, we call it a systemic risk. Being there, being in that system means you own it. Okay? So number one, if you don't like volatility, don't be in the stock market because you have to embrace it. Know that you're buying it with every single position you take on. Right, so if you think of it that way, you're actually seeking it out and you're buying it, then it's got to be your friend. How do you make volatility your friend? Yeah, exactly how you said. You understand the value of what you're buying, okay, or what you own. And when volatility gives you an opportunity, and when I say volatility, I mean to the downside. When it gives you an opportunity to own more of that or get an entry point on something that you see revalue on, then it's your friend. If it is emotional roller coaster. Don't be there, right? You're, you, who, who says to you, who calls you up and say, geez, I just need more stress in my life, so I'm going to go invest in volatility. Nobody says that, right? True. Yeah, no one says that. Nobody yeah. says that. So make it your friend. Okay. And so there's been volatility in the stock market. There's been volatility in the bond market. I think this is a good, good day to talk about these different things, and we're going to educate and inform you. So why active management, both on stocks and bonds, are important, and how... You can manage this risk, this volatility. We're going to talk about the bond market and everything that has to it has to offer you, even in low interest rates. And so you have to join us after the break. We're also hosting our seminar on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right, stick around. We're going to figure out how to get yield and, and return out of the bond market after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. You know, Faisal, uh, so much attention, you know, by the people we talk to and just in general for investors gets focused on the stock market. I think every major media channel, when it comes to business news, will highlight the stock market and what's happening. And then somewhere, usually after the price of commodities, (laughs) they talk about what the interest rate is for government bonds, let's say in the U.S. or Canada. Right. They kind of glaze over it. They get, I think, on some of the major channels in U.S. and Canada, they get like maybe a minute to speak about bonds, and it's all about the companies and stocks. Right. So this is your wheelhouse, buddy. This is your fun part. You know, and I don't think people understand just the sheer size of the... um, you know, of the bond market. I like to say that the stock market can take companies down and the bond market can take countries down, right? This is, yeah. it's just, it's massive. And and part of what we have to do is educate people. And, and part of most people's portfolio involves some sort of fixed income. And there's a lot of questions around what's happening in that market and interest rates and so on and so forth, right? So we've got a terrific guest today, Jack McIntyre. He's a portfolio manager, Global Bond Strategies with Brandywine. He's going to help us understand a little bit about what's happening domestically, but internationally. And what happened in the pandemic? What you know? And should bonds be a part of your portfolio going forward? With such low interest given rates, given that interest rates are so low. Yeah. Hey, Jack, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, guys. 
All right, so you kind of heard our intro. There's lots to cover off here, and thankfully we've got a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of segments to do this uh, with you. But I would like to maybe start by just getting your take, um, uh, take it back to the beginning of the year when the pandemic hit. Certainly most investors are familiar with what happened and the volatility we saw in the stock markets, but maybe just give us a little bit of a, uh, of a sense of, of what was going on in the bond markets, um, you know, going into the pandemic and then how they were kind of roiled by everything that was going on. Yeah, sure. And just to reiterate your point, the bond market is the smarter of the of the two markets. So uh, <laughs> your listeners should always focus a little bit on what's going on bonds, uh, because as a, a member of the bond vigilantes, um, yeah, we, we in aggregate we can send uh, send key messages uh, to, to policymakers. So yeah, you know, obviously it's been a um, a challenging and fascinating year. Uh, you know, coming into this year, boy, the world looked a lot different. I mean, you know, U.S. and China were starting to get along on the, the trade front. Uh, you know, we already had low inflation and monetary policy being stimulative. So, you know, the handwriting was on the wall. It should have been a pretty good growth, a pretty good environment for global growth. And, you know, we all got uh, sort of smacked in the face with, with the, uh, the COVID. And, you know, having done this for 30-plus years, you know, you always have to make some level of assumptions when you're an investor. And, you know, we made um, not the right one because we, we kind of thought COVID would, you know, would be maybe a little bit more something comparable to the flu. And it wasn't. And we had this this tremendous reaction in terms of containment mitigation globally and uh, the policies. And, again, I'm not criticizing. It's, it is what it is. But yep. it took us into a global depression. Um, and, you know, that and it happened incredibly quickly so yes. there really wasn't time to react and you know you talk about some of those government bond markets well some of them become became dysfunctional i mean to me one of the the weirdest uh parts of this was back in march when treasury your u.s treasuries which you know you're sort of uh cream of the crop in terms of safe haven bond markets um stopped working you know they started selling off when risk assets in general were selling off too so that's not the kind of thing that you see um but equally as impressive to what happened with the virus was the policy response. And I will tip my hat to the policymakers, the fiscal authorities, the central bankers. Uh, they stepped up en masse. And everybody, and you'll hear me mention this more than once, but everybody adopted the mantra that, uh, that uh, Draghi used in July of 2013, we'll do whatever it takes. Yep. And they have acted on that so far. Except in the U.S., we have a little bit of an issue on the uh, with the fiscal stimulus, but we can discuss that later. Yeah. Okay. So, Jack, that was was that because of a learning because of the 2008 financial crises that we went through, and they said we're not going to f- freeze the markets. I think what's what's missing out there in the public is the piping of the financial system during the COVID crash was frozen to some degree, was it not? It, it was, uh, you know, it, it was for a short period of time. But again, you know, and again, I, the central banks, you know, you know, I'll just kind of focus on the Fed for a second. You, you know, it's interesting. They all, when I say, they all adopted very quickly the policies that they did in the GFC. Mm-hmm. And then they layered on top of uh, that even more unorthodox sort of policies. I mean, hey, the Fed... Uh, stepping in and backstopping investment-grade corporate bonds uh, and doing it very quickly, you know. It, so it, it allowed the plumbing to, to you know, uh, 
sort of become unplugged and start functioning a little bit more normally. Now, Jack, um, so I, 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 and oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. As a, as a global bond manager. And you're looking at everything that's happening in the world during the pandemic. And let's even look at it right now. Where, where do you see the world headed? Because you, you, I think you've nailed it when you said the, the smart people play in the bond market. They really understand what's going to happen. And it can affect or impact policy mm-hmm. changes either fiscally and or monetarily speaking. So where do, you, where do you see what's happening right now? Because the stock market has gone all over the place and some some yeah. some companies are priced for perfection um what's mm-hmm. really happening in the bond market today so I, I okay so i've been a big believer in secular disinflationary influences this is why the yields were low even prior to the pandemic um and i think they're going to stay low uh within within reason so you know you can kind of distill what's going on is this war. It's the pandemic versus the policymakers. And, you know, we're going to bet on the policymakers sort of eventually winning that. And I would include in the policymakers the medical community. So, you know, we've thrown a lot of resources to help us get through the, the pandemic. It's going to be a bumpy ride, uh, clearly, because in the northern hemisphere, we're entering and, uh, you know, we're getting close to winter. And, Clearly, there's an inverse relationship as temperatures decline, infection rates increase. So, uh, you know, so I'm not going to uh, ignore that. But, you know, we, we've seen that during um, other periods in the summer, yet the policymakers reacted. So we're betting on the policymakers. You know, we're, we're, you know, and again, in the U.S., unfortunately, you know, the timing, we've got the election. So that kind of clouds uh, the willingness of these guys to, to get along and do something. I think early next year, no matter who wins, you know, you're going to see movement towards more stimulus. And again, the idea here is that we're just building a bridge to get over uh, the, the negative economic impact from, from the virus. So, yeah, so bonds, again, I, you know, and, and again, obviously it's not a homogeneous asset class. There's all different flavors mm-hmm. of bonds. I actually think that capital, and we know there is a huge amount of capital, and we also know central bankers are punishing savers, that there will be a bias towards the search for yield and the reach for yield. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to get that. But I think that ultimately will be the dominant sort of mentality we see at, at some point uh, next year. Okay, let's, that's a good uh, place maybe to take a break because we're after the break, uh, Faisal. I want to talk about the fact that low interest rates, low interest rates scare people in this, this yield issue, um, particularly people in retirement if I need income. Are bonds still an important piece of the portfolio. We're going to talk about that after the break. But before we take a break, we've got to remind everybody about our upcoming seminar because we have to make sense of all of these different asset classes we have available to us and put it together in a combination that actually supports all the different goals and needs that a person has as they move into retirement, including income. It's funny how you say that because because most Canadians feel that there are two, maybe three asset classes, stocks, cash, some are in the bond market as right. well. But there's five pillars to a proper investment strategy right. to have growth throughout your retirement. And we're going to talk about those five pillars and how they all work together. And that's going to be online on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. Now, you need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's more than radio, 
morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right. Now, if you're worried that low interest rates are going to destroy your retirement, stick around after the break because we're going to discuss how to avoid that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We're talking about uh, bonds and interest rates and, um, you know, how do you, how do you use this asset class going forward, uh, you know, given the forecast. And I think that's maybe where we're going to start. We're joined by Jack McIntyre, who's a portfolio manager of Global Bond Strategies for Brandywine. Jack, thanks for sticking around um, uh, through the break. I appreciate that. Let's let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, uh, is there an opportunity? What's the forecast going forward, right? Because we're in this ultra-low interest rate environment, and the average person that we talk to thinks that, well, you can't own bonds anymore because you're going to get no yield. Yeah, and let's add to that, because if you're making, let's say, half a percent with yeah. a 10-year Government of Canada bond or less than 1% or 90 basis points, I'm rounding up here, on the U.S. 10-year Treasury, after taxes and inflation, you're guaranteed to lose money. Right. So where, how do you make money in the global market? So, Jack, let me, let me bring you in on this one, because you look around the mm-hmm. world, there's a whole bunch of opportunities, but there's also a whole bunch of countries that even have negative interest rates. Yeah. How the heck do you make money in the bond market right now? Yeah, so you mentioned the operative word, global. So, you know, I think it's going to be a challenging environment if you have a home country bias, uh, you know, because you're right. I mean, it's in the higher quality bond markets, Canada, U.S., uh, some of the Europeans, you've got either low or, as you point out, negative rates. I think, you know, the number in U.S. dollar terms equivalent, we're about $16 trillion, maybe even north of that, in negative yielding bonds. Uh, but, you know, that's not the entire bond universe. So, you know, if you're focused on income, there are ways to get it. And, and hey, one of the things, you know, again, it's not just – Government bonds, I think credit, you know, still uh, presents opportunities. You know, kind of shifting gears, focusing a little bit on U.S. investment grade credit. Well, I kind of view what the Fed is doing, meaning their backstop. It somehow kind of equates investment grade credit to being the new U.S. Treasury bond. Again, not not in the sense that there's an explicit backing, but hey, the Fed has you know told us that they're going to buy these bonds, and if spreads were to widen. They're going to buy even more. They've just nibbled at their buying power if they need to. So I think there's more room for yield compression there. And then, can I, I, it's been a bumpy road, but I still am a big believer in the developing world is becoming developed. So that's, you know, sort of EM, emerging markets. But remember, emerging markets are not a homogeneous asset class. You've got some that are on the cusp of sort of being developed that still have a little bit of a yield premium. But, again, I, I think we are still in a disinflationary environment, and that in and of itself will keep yields low and probably drive yields even lower. So, yeah, I think they still serve a role in asset allocation. Um, and you still need, hey, when, you know, again, when we hit stress, uh, good luck, you know, having those sort of equities that, hey, might pay a high dividend act as the port in the storm in your asset allocation. You need some high-quality bonds in your portfolio. Jack, can you give us some examples around the world where you find very attractive right now, given the low interest rate market that we're in? Yeah, and again, I mean, this is, you know, when you when you do venture into the, the realm of emerging markets, and I'm not saying put everything in there, but, you know, inherently you have to be willing to tolerate a little bit of volatility. So we like uh, some Brazilian bonds, Mexican bonds. Again, this is, and this is not our entire portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have high-quality bonds in there. But I think to get that additional yield, you know, and, and when I look at Asia, you know, again, Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, you know, we 
you know, we need to bring China into play. You know, anything that has a global conversation, uh, China needs to be incorporated. And in a world where China and the U.S. are, are doing well from a growth standpoint, and again, I think that will be the theme next year, that's a good backdrop for global growth. And that's going to motivate capital to, to gravitate towards yield. Uh, and there's a lot of markets that still offer a compelling yield. And again, bottom line is inflation globally is still on this glide path lower, and I, I think that's going to be the case. And, Jack, currency can play a role also. If you're talking about a global bond market, um, clearly uh, you need to be currency sensitive, and you can uh, either profit or protect uh, from currency swings relative to, say, the Canadian dollar if you're a Canadian investor. And so um, I'd like you to speak to that just a little bit and maybe just expand a little bit upon this idea of active management. So, you know, clearly as a retail investor – you can't through the retail bond desk just go and buy Malaysian bonds, right? These are this is a, a more sophisticated market than I think many people are used to relative to, you know, just buying a stock, uh, you know, at your computer screen. So maybe you could speak to those two points. Yeah, let me answer the second question first because I right, I want to emphasize that right when I when I mention emerging market bonds, I'm not talking about anybody going out and buying individual bonds. Yeah, uh, and you know, you, you need to invest in. Uh, a bond manager that has that expertise uh, and has been doing it for a, a long time. And that's actually a segue into your, your question about currencies, because again, I, I get it, you know, we're, you know, this is my career for 30 plus years. So I've seen um, yields decline significantly and, you know, we need to have more levers to pull to generate returns and fixed income and currencies certainly can be one of those. And again, I'm, you know, currencies, uh, tend to be more volatile. They don't pay you a, a coupon. They're, they're a form of zero-coupon bond, so inherently they are going to be a little bit more volatile. But uh, that scenario, I just led with an environment of global growth doing well. And again, we're making some assumptions that uh, the pandemic, you know, at some point next year will become less important. Uh, well, that's a good environment for a lot of the developing world. Uh, and I suspect those currencies should continue to, to strengthen. Um, and look at the Chinese currency. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's been strengthening versus the U.S. dollar. And that's a, that's a good backdrop for um, emerging currencies in general. But uh, again, same thing. Don't try and trade currencies yourself, particularly mm-hmm. with uh, the fixed income allocation in your portfolio. You know, defer that to somebody that kind of lives and breathes this stuff. Uh, and that's global active global bond managers and you know, active in the sense that, you know, we are and we're not alone, uh, but not wedded to any particular benchmark, because the problem is those benchmarks are skewed by the big issuers of debt. Mm-hmm. And the big issuers of debt have very low yields or in many cases, negative yields. So it's not going to serve your uh, the needs that you have as a fixed income investor. So, Jack, just one question. We've got a minute left. Um, and I'm not going to I'm not pinning you to a specific answer on this, but the, you know, the question we get from a lot of um, investors is with interest rates, as Faisal said, in you know, the half percent range for 10-year good quality credit, uh, sorry, government uh, debt, how do you make money in this? Is it still possible to get 2 3 4% rates of return in the bond market if you're thinking globally? And, I'm, and, and again, I'm not pinning you that there's a guarantee here, but yeah. can you still make those kinds of returns given a global marketplace? You, you can, because there's still some uh, improving credits uh, in the developing space that have yields in the, the 7 8% uh, percent range. Again, I'm not saying 
Don't put your entire portfolio in there, but it's a way of getting some yield kicker uh, in that. And again, also, I think though, in a you know, even where rates are, uh, there's nothing to prevent rates from heading even lower. Right. Uh, again, it's just keep an eye on inflation. That will be the, the determining factor. Jack, we're gonna we gotta end it there. Thank you. I can't do justice to the entire global bond market, but I think you've done a pretty good job in twenty minutes to sort of bring it to life. And uh, and I think I saw some fears that some people have that there's just no way that bonds can't be part of a portfolio going forward. They're still an important piece. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks, guys. We've been joined by Jack McIntyre, uh, portfolio manager at Global Bond Strategies of Brandywine. Uh, let's make sense of this. Because they do, people need income. There's and an important piece. They do need income. It's it's a low interest rate market, but it does provide a bit of a diversification and reduce volatility in a yeah. portfolio. The the magic that we tell, tell people to write down in their for their retirement in their growth investments is losing less means you can make more. Right. And that's the problem when you put all your money in the stock market and it goes down. You're losing more right. by diversifying using fixed income. To a certain degree, well-managed, yep. diversified, you're reducing that volatility, which means you're losing less. The recovery takes less time. And that's the stuff we're going to talk about at our seminar. And this is an online webinar Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. That's morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, there's been a lot of people in this city affected by either job loss or the potential of job loss and that's creating some fear around whether or not they're ready to retire. We're going to talk about how to prepare for that on the next segment. Stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Yeah, you're here with Dave and Faisal. Faisal, we, we teased before the break um, that effectively I've had a pretty depressing week in reporting <laughs> results this week. Um, and because, we, you know, we although we talked about a consolidation, a merger this week, um, it's going to lead to job losses here in this city. And, and, and it's not just in this city. It's, you know, the global energy complex has been under pressure, and we're seeing job cuts everywhere. And it's not just energy, Dave. No, I know there, that. There's going to be... I know that. We are still in the pandemic. Yeah. There are companies still trying to figure their situation out. Yeah. There are going to be job losses. It's Period. going to happen. You're right. Okay. Now, let's say you're 55 years of age. You got a million or two million bucks saved. Maybe even have half a million plus saved. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Now, you're debating. You're going through this internal dialogue that says okay i've saved some money yeah i've got a i've got a severance or a package to leave yeah it wasn't my date that i was thinking of leaving right so this is uncertainty thrown on you yeah Yeah. so it's kind of like forced retirement yeah Yeah. do i retire or not is the is the internal dialogue right what should an individual going through this because it's going to happen if some have already been announced some will be announced over the next little while. Mm-hmm. This internal dialogue is, should I retire? Because it's not easy to say, okay, I'm going to quit my job here. Or I'm going to retire from here. And, I, and there's a whole long list of employers waiting to hire. So it'll be easy for me to transition and continue doing yep. what I was doing. Yep. That's, not, that's not reality today. Yep. So there's a big uh, conversation we're having, this internal dialogue that says, should I retire? What's, what are some of the things that individuals who are going to that, what should they be thinking Look, about? Look, I, I, I think there's three steps. One is the immediate, okay? So if, you're, if you've been hit with this, if it's been thrust upon you, you're surprised, and you need to be, you need just to get your house in order to make sure that there, there's no immediate risk that you can't feed the family, you're, you're not organized in a way that you can take a breath, okay? okay? 
Um, number two, the conversation has to be had internally or if you're in a, a relationship between the two of you. Um, what's the goal here? Is, is the goal once the dust settles and when you've taken your breath, is it to go back and work? Okay? And I don't mean financially. I mean make the decision. Are, are you still, do you still want to be engaged? Right? Are you ready to retire? Okay. Okay? Number three, once you've made those decisions, you've, you're safe. You've got that built, that base built. You've made a decision. You need to do some analysis, right? Now, you may decide that um, you're, you're going to go back to work, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. Okay? You may decide you're not going to go back to work in, in either of those cases. Or you may be undecided. I'm not sure yet, Dave. You could be. Yeah. Okay, so I, I would like to retire. It sounds cool. Right. I like the idea of it. Right. I don't know if I'm ready, ready or not. Yeah. So let's, get some planning. Then let's get some planning. And what kind of planning should, it, should an individual or yeah. a couple do? Well, I think, uh, listen, there's a couple of things. I'll let you talk to the financial planning because I, I, I want to encourage people to start at a higher level and think a little bit about lifestyle. Yeah. Right? And, um, again, whether you've decided you're going back or not, the shock is too new, whatever the case may be, I think you just need to think a little bit about um, how you're going to keep yourself engaged. Right? So get past that immediate fear issue, get it settled out, and then, okay, what am I going to do? Yeah. Right? And so there'll be some short-term things you want to think about, um, and it'll, it'll develop and progress. Yeah. But at some point, you're going to have to get down to answering the question, what are my options, right? And the options um, likely are going to take a little bit of financial analysis to see what it is you know, it, your lifestyle can support, and is that consistent with what you guys, you know, what you're thinking about Correct. in your head. Understanding the financial situation of where you are today how will your savings, along with any guaranteed sources of income like Canadian pension yeah. plan, old age security, corporate pension plan, how is it all going to work for you? How is right. it going to fit? And can it maintain the lifestyle that you've thought of right. or that you have currently? And if it doesn't, what's your course of action? Right. And if it does, now you have choices. You can, and, and, and I want people to remember that Selecting a retirement date is not a finite solution. Right. It is, I call it a tap like you have at your home or a faucet. You can turn it on and off as you see fit. So you can turn it on for two years, retire for two years, quote unquote, and then things may be different in your life and you can go back. This is a, a journey. This is not a destination. So, you know, we often talk about this idea of financial independence versus yes. retirement, right? Yes. And that's, that's truly what you're saying is get the analysis uh, done just to see how independent, financially independent you are Correct. given the lifestyle you want to lead. Yes. And right. then even if you decide, okay, given the current situation, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang up my, uh, my skates and I'm yep. done playing now. I'm yep. going to just... I'm just going to start to live off my savings. And then maybe two years down the road or whatever, yeah. you're like, mm, I want to change my plans and I want to go back to be gainfully employed. Right. That doesn't mean I'm not financially independent. Right. That just means I'm gainfully employed. I don't have to turn on the tap from my savings because I'm getting it, my cash flow from another source. Yeah. That's okay. That's, that, that's totally fine. Too many Canadians think that the minute you declare retirement, you cannot go back in. Right. Or you can't do anything. Yeah. Right? doesn't have to be full-time employment either. So having that, that flexibility, that independence, financial independence, and the, 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 the purpose of financial independence is to know you are dynamic and flexible and nimble enough to do the things you want to do. Right. And I know, and you know, retiring hundreds of times with our clients, yep. 
you never have one idea and it sticks with you for the next 40 years. <laughs> nope. It does. It's not static. That's it's for, never it's static. It's not set and forget. And nope. it's about every 24 months you change your mind. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of change. Right? Yep. So when we go through that, yep. do not assume that the minute you call retirement, it's done. You can always change your mind. Yep. And have that comfort knowing that what feels right for now is okay. Yeah. You don't have to make a 40-year decision. Right. And, and, and let's just say the, the first, the emotional reaction. So um, I, I can't stress this enough. Clearly, I don't know everybody's financial situation inside and out. But the first step is you've got to pause and breathe, mm-hmm. right? Because you've been hit with a shock. If you're going to go through this, you're going, you know, you're going to be hit with a shock. Stop and breathe. Make sure that your immediate needs are taken care of. Focus yeah. on that. That will build you. What, what you have to do as you go through this process is rebuild the safety and security, yep. right? So go right to the bottom of that Maslow's pyramid and say, okay, I need security to make sure that I can breathe. So take care of that first. Correct. Right? And then just let the process develop. Um, but don't push it off, right? You can't bury your head in the sand either, right? So give yourself some time, right, to get through that. Yep. Make sure the base is built. You're feeling safe and secure. Yeah. And then that's when the real analysis, we can start analyzing or people can start analyzing their options. That's a great point that you're making because if you walk into, let's say, our office or any advisor who's a retirement specialist and you come in with the emotion of, I just got let go and I have to retire today. Right. It's a crisis or a panic. Oh, my God. It's a panic. And you can make emotive decisions that may not be the right decision for you and your family longer term. Yep. So it's best to take that breath, take a step back collect your thoughts, then sit down and get prepared with a clear mind yep. on how are we going to handle this? Yeah. What's the journey look like going forward, right? We, we've all had uh, hiccups in our lives and different things presented to us. This can be a big one. I get it, right? Emotionally, I feel it. I've been through it in the past um, with different careers I've had. So uh, pause, right? Pause. This is a human experience, and then we can figure it out. Yeah. Right? And that, that the, the point that you just made is we. Yeah. Don't do this alone. Yeah. You need a re- you need a retirement specialist who can help you through that process because if you're going to do this on your own, right. there are a whole bunch of assumptions you're going to make in your in your analysis. Right. And we're talking about a financial analysis here. Some of those assumptions may not be high probability of success. So having your uh, retirement uh, specialist sit down with you and go through those analy- the analysis. And the options. And the There's options. options There's right? so many things you can do. Right. And in many, many, many cases, there's no immediate short-term risks. Correct. Right? And this is why I say if you pause and breathe, then uh, and you get yourself into a position where you can now think about steps in the future and you do the proper analysis on your options, there's lots of things that will present themselves. And Faisal, as you said, it'll change anyways. It'll change. Right. It will will change. And so this is the stuff that we're talking about on our webinar that we're going to be hosting on how do you bulletproof your retirement? You get a package. You're now looking at being financially independent, but can you retire with with what you have and what's the best structure for it? We're going to discuss that on Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. All right. I want to wish everybody a happy Halloween. And don't fear the boogeyman. <laughs> he will go away at some point, he right? Will. Embrace our friend that we call volatility. Listen, I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. We look forward to chatting with you next week.
David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.